There's a lot to celebrate today, and we've been talking about that. And to me, the 45 people that want to be part of our real-life discipleship groups this summer, that's something to celebrate. That's, as we're looking at how to be disciples who can make disciples, that is something God can use to change the world. Jesus took 12 people and changed the world, and we got 45 that are wanting to do that. So, very exciting. Um, I do want to reiterate, there, if your name is on that list already, uh, look at it, and if there's a better time for you, go ahead and scratch your name off and move it to another time slot, because we're kicking those off this week. And so get your book today, and we'll be ready to go. I've got to say, too, a um, couple of things. Happy graduation. Those of you who are graduated, congratulations to all of you. It's such a milestone. It was cool um, having Jacqueline up here and Sharon, who just graduated yesterday, and Chris, Jacqueline's fiance, was supposed to be here, but he got sick. All the festivities were a little too much, but I was just thinking the, the fall of 2013 was when those three, they're not, not Sharon, but Marcel, Jacqueline, and Chris showed up as freshmen, and man, it's been cool to see what God's done in their life, and so many others, other graduates in this room and those who couldn't be here today. Um, as Marcel said, it's amazing how God has, among those, I don't know how many graduates, there were a lot that God powerfully impacted their lives during their time at K-State. And a lot that we got to be part of that process and see them, so it was, it's really exciting. Um, those of you who are family of the graduates, welcome. We're so glad you could be here today as well. And then, the biggest event of the day, Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to you moms. Nobody deserves it more, yeah? So great. And I'm blessed to have my mother here and my grandmother here and the mother of my five children here. So, man, this was a great group of impactful people. My mom led me to Christ when I was a very wee tot. But power presented the gospel to me, and I remember that day when I accepted Christ. When I came, I woke up one morning, and she was praying in our living room and said, I feel like there's something I need to talk to you about today, and presented the gospel. And I prayed a prayer and trusted Jesus to be my Savior. And that was much more beyond that, but nothing more impactful than that. And, my grandmother's been an amazing, my 93-year-old grandmother, if you haven't met her, you've got to say hi. She's been a great influence in my life and many others as well. Um, so God has been good to, to most of us with, with, a good, with a good mom. So if you haven't talked to her yet, make sure you do today. I got, just for fun, a couple, uh, I ran across this. Elementary school kids were asked to, questions about mothers. And so, you know, they had some interesting answers. Here are a few of them. They were asked, why do we have mothers? One, one young child said, she's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. <laughs> Good reason. And a few other things as well. They were asked, what kind of little girl was your mom? I don't know because I wasn't there, but my guess would be pretty bossy. <laughs> and so another kid said, they say she used to be nice. Why did your mom marry your dad? She got too old to do anything else with him. <laughs> and another kid said, my grandma said that mom didn't have her thinking cap on. <laughs> Probably true. Who's the boss at your house? Kids were asked. One kid said, mom doesn't want to be the boss, but she has to because dad's such a goofball. <laughs> That's true in our family. Uh, another kid said, mom, you can tell by room inspection. She sees the stuff under the bed. And the third kid said, I guess mom is, but only because she has a lot more to do than dad. Uh, another question about moms and dads. Kids were asked, what's the difference between moms and dads? 
Moms work at work and at work and at home. Dads just go to work and work. <laughs> I like this. Dads are taller and stronger, but moms have all the real power, because that's who you got to ask if you want to sleep over at a friend's house. <laughs> that's you know they're very insightful right there. <laughs> they're onto something. And then what's the difference between moms and dads? Moms have magic. They make you feel better without medicine. Yeah, isn't that sweet? A couple more. These these are fun. What would it take to make your mom perfect? On the inside, she's already perfect. Outside, I think some kind of plastic surgery. (laughs) And then the second one, kind of in a similar vein. What would it take to make your mom perfect? Diet. You know, her hair. I dye it. Maybe blue. That would make mom perfect. And then last question. If you could change one thing about your mom, what would it be? I would like for her to get rid of those invisible eyes on her back. That kid. How many of you can relate to that one right there? Yeah. I remember my mom. She has not only those, but how many of you have moms with an incredible sense of hearing? I, my mom was like, you could be all the way across the house. I remember my sister, I had two sisters, and they shared a room. And at night, we'd hear mom say, hey, get, be quiet. Stop talking in your room. We're trying to go to sleep. And then they would, like, and I had a room nearby. They would whisper something to one another. And mom would go, I heard that. Be quiet. Go to sleep. <laughs> like, how, how could you hear that? That was just a whisper, and you were in some other room far away. But there's this super, super ability to hear well, today, yeah, we do want to, there's a lot converging, graduation weekend and Mother's Day, and for the rest of us that don't fit in those categories, you're still important too. And so we're going to talk about one thing today, actually the title of this message is one thing that grads, moms, and the rest of us need to know. And there are a lot of things we could say, we're just going to talk about one thing. What is it that moms, grads, and the rest of us need to know? And yesterday, there were a lot of graduation speeches. I personally make it a practice to avoid those, if I can in any way, so don't be offended if I didn't go to your graduation. It's not you, it's the ceremony. But all sorts of just, high, you know, what do you want, sending out graduates into the world to change the world. And it's a natural time to think about, man, you know, what are these high aspirations, and how can you really make your life count, and what, what really makes a difference. And, you know, all, a lot of that is, is good and true, but... What I want to talk about today is is a little different. And it's basically the idea that the things that seem impressive to others, and even to us, are oftentimes not the things that really matter. That the things that get accolades and recognition and our society cheers on and we think, yeah, that really matters, Oftentimes, that isn't the most important thing. And so, there's so much pressure uh, to, to impress people. There was a, really a classic book written a couple of dec- decades ago by Robert McGee called The Search for Significance. And the, the main idea of this book is that most people are trying to find significance. We have a deep need for significance. And we naturally try to find it either in our accomplishments, our achievements, or the approval of others. And... Most people, if you break it down, we're, we're more prone towards one or the other. We all are, both of those are powerful motivations in our life. But 
this, but one of them is more than the other. And the desire to have approval from other people or to impress other people to the, the degree that they approve of you is a very powerful drive that really God's put in us to find approval from him, but we're naturally trying to find it from other people. And so um, if, and if you're taking notes or following in your, in your handout, it's, there's a fill-in-the-blank here for this. If your goal is impressing others, you need a new goal. If your goal is to get other people to be impressed, and, you know, if we're honest, that's a powerful driving force for a lot of us, you need a new goal. And I want to say not only if your goal is to impress others, but if your goal is to impress yourself, because I think that's even more of a powerful thing in a sense, like the inner sense of like, am I doing enough, and how am, am I living a life that, that really matters, that's so often we live with the insecurities and the questions, and, and we are, we're compelled to do things that we think will really matter, and they may be good things, but the drive on the inside is, is not healthy. And motherhood's probably, I can't think of a better example of that, where moms do stuff day in and day out that is unrecognized, that is not glamorous. I mean, how many of you know cleaning up, spit up, and throw up, and making one more meal, and keeping your children alive one more day, like, it just, it doesn't seem like that incredible at the time. It doesn't seem like, man, nobody's making movies about a day in the life of a regular mom. You know, it's just, it just doesn't seem that great. But there is nothing more impactful in the world than what moms do. And the nurturing, and the care, and the bringing up children, and providing love, and value, and identity, and and keeping us alive. Like, that's, there's nothing more important, but it doesn't seem that important. And, and so often, that's, that's how things are in life. The things that really matter are not the things that seem to really matter. You know, we, those, in the, in the workforce, it's, you tend to think like, man, if I, like, hit this position, or accomplish this, or get this pay grade, then I've really made it. And, you know, goals are good. But that doesn't really prepare us for the fact that most of our days at work can be pretty monotonous. They can be hard to feel like, what did I really do? I didn't really feel like I accomplished much. And the reality is, is that the mundane is often what really matters. It's faithfulness in it. God is in the mundane. And there is, there is a way that he wants to redeem that to, to make it really impactful. Um, so, you know, it's, if our goal is to impress people or impress others, our, our goal is the wrong goal. Um, Dave Ramsey says that we buy things with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. <laughs> so true. And, you know, it's, what's crazy is that even when we, when we have the accomplishments that we think will satisfy us, we think we'll, we've arrived if we just get this, what some of the most depressed people in the world are those that reach their goals because they find out that, I still feel empty. Like the thing that I thought would fulfill me isn't. It fails to satisfy. And, um, you know, but the reality is, too, a lot of us, most days, we're not being recognized a whole lot. And so what, what about that? Well, I love this, this verse of Jesus, this, 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 what Jesus said in the chap- Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. It's the most famous sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5.13, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, 
How shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the salt of the earth. Think about that for a second. Salt. Not very glamorous. Not very, you know, it's not, you don't see many food magazines with a big salt shaker on the front. Like, wow, we're going to have some good salt tonight. Wow, that's going to be great. You know, salt by itself, unless you're a deer or a horse or something, like you're probably not craving just to eat salt straight off the block. It's, it's, it seems, you know, pretty plain, pretty basic. Um, it's, it's small little pieces that, that don't seem that great, but combined with other pieces of salt, I don't even know what you call them, kernels or flakes or something, that you put salt together, it is added to something else. It's added to food, and it brings out the best in something besides itself. And it preserves food. And that's really what God has called us to be. And that's really what, what moms do, probably better than anybody else. It's five-sixths of the word mother is other. And that's really appropriate, because what moms do... Yeah, some of you are trying to compute that still. <laughs> But what moms do is they, they give themselves for others, and they bring out the best in others. And that's really what, what salt does, is you add a little salt to something, and it, it highlights the flavors in that food. My wife, Reagan, has actually started this job the last couple of months as a sensory analyst, analyst over at K-State. And so she is being trained to taste food every day. Sounds like a great gig, right? But it's a little more complicated than that. But we, so when she comes home every day, it's like, well, what do you taste today? And recently, they were tasting chocolate milk and trying to identify what are the different ingredients and flavors and qualities in this chocolate milk. And I'm like, chocolate and milk. It's, you know, but one of the ingredients in chocolate milk is salt. And I was surprised to hear that. Like, salt? Like, I don't want salty chocolate milk. That doesn't sound good. But it's because salt has this quality. It's in almost everything because it not because we're just addicted to sodium in our culture, but that's another issue. But it highlights and accents flavors. And so you add a little salt, it brings out everything else. And that's really what, what God has called us to be. And in the classic book, Good to Great, by Jim Collins, he talks about level five leaders. And this is looking at businesses that, that went from being good businesses to great businesses, and what was the difference and probably the most important quality was what he calls level five leaders. And these, they, he found in every one of these organizations, there was a leader at the top who was not what you would expect. They were not famous. They were not, their personality was not usually dynamic or overwhelming or the kind of thing you think of, you know, like Steve Jobs or something like that. They weren't that kind of person. But... They just cared so much about their company, and they were committed to the organization. And there, there was a commitment combined with a humility that they gave their all to the organization, but they didn't care about getting any credit. They didn't care about how much they got paid. They were there to make those around them and the organization great. And that was a, a common factor of all those, all those organizations. And that's who God's called us to be. Um, yeah, so salt. Be salt. Um, you know, there's in 
even there's another danger of, I mentioned this before, of, of seeking the accolades of others, is that sometimes we get them, which sounds great, and it can be pretty addictive. You know, those of you that are successful, like, it feels good to be applauded and people liking what you do. Like, that's great. But that recognition can keep us from something even more important. And we're going to look at a passage that I bet this might be the first time in the history of the world that someone's looked at this passage on Mother's Day for the Mother's Day message. I could be wrong. You know, it's a big world, and there are a lot of churches out there. But this is from Matthew chapter 23. And Jesus was talking to the Pharisees who became famous for being hypocrites. They were the religious leaders of the day, but they had lost sight of what was truly important. And Jesus had some pretty harsh things to say, or pretty strong, challenging things to say to them. And in Matthew 23, I'm just going to look at this. Verse 5, because it gives some insight into what we're looking at today. Jesus said, They do all their deeds to be seen by others. Let's think about that. The motivation of what they were doing and they were these religious leaders. We're supposed to be leading people in worship and service to God. But the real motivation in their hearts was that other people would see them and think of them a certain way. And how many of you know, like, it's really easy to do that? Even in, like, good stuff, even in God stuff, church stuff, it can be doing good things, but our motivation is wrong. It's because it's not really to please God. It's because we want other people to think of us a certain way. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they, they make their, their phylacteries broad. You're like, what the heck is a phylactery? And their fringe is long. A phylactery, this is in, in the, the Israelite people. In the Old Testament, God had, had given them this command. Actually, we're going to read it. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 11, 18, it's a couple places in the law. God said, fix these words of mine. So God was giving them his, his commandments, his instructions of how to live. And God said, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. So God was saying, hey, these words that I'm giving you, like, don't just let them go in one year and out the other. Like, meditate on them. Take, take them to heart. Learn them. Apply them. Um, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Really, your hand representing what you do, your actions, how you live, and your forehead, your thoughts, how you think. And so the point of it was change your thinking, change your actions according to God's, God's commands, the way God wants us to live. But religion has a way of taking the heart of something and building this whole system around it that misses the whole point. And so what the Jewish people did is they started making boxes and tying them on their wrists, and tying them on their forehead. And it was probably originally that was a good idea, like, oh, so sincere. Like, okay, I want to take God's word as a reminder, you know, to do this, and take it to heart. But over time, it just became a symbol of religiosity. And so, Jesus is saying, hey, you know, they, they make sure that they make those boxes really big. Like, hey, I got a big phylactery on my, on my forehead, and my wrists. You know, that's saying that I, man, I'm really devoted to God's word. And following him. And it became not so much about really doing it, but about what it looked like. Um, back to that passage, Matthew 23. They make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. Like, fringes, what, is, what does that mean? Well, that was another thing. And God had told them to make these, these tassels on their robes. Um, we'll actually look at that. Numbers chapter 15, verse 37. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, 
Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember all the commands of the Lord, that you may obey them and not prostitute yourself by chasing after the lust of your own hearts and eyes. Then you will remember to obey all my commands and will be consecrated or set apart to your God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. And so God had given them this instruction, like, hey, make these tassels on the ends of your robes. And it's a reminder. All right, Matthew 23, middle of verse 5. They make their, their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love the place of honor at feast and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. Rabbi was a religious teacher. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man on earth your father, no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. Man, that's an interesting passage there. Jesus saying, hey, don't call anyone rabbi, don't call anyone father, don't be called teacher, or rabbi, or father. And you know, again, you've got to take this in context. It doesn't mean you can never call someone dad or something like that. There are other passages of the Bible that says, honor your father and mother. Um, but the point is that we're to be very careful about, about seeking titles and position and getting our affirmation from what people think of us and how they view us and playing that game that is so common in, in the world. Um, because it, it takes away, when that whole game takes away our attention from God and, and who he is, and that he's for us, and he's the one that, that he wants us to trust in. Um, yeah, so it's like, okay, a bunch of like, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Well, what, what do I do? I just want to end with, with one more scripture here. Because um, you, you can't beat something with nothing. It's like, don't think about pink elephants. Don't think about pink elephants. Like, okay, I, all I can think about is pink elephants. But, okay, I'm not supposed to seek the approval of others. I'm not supposed to be thinking, you know, even the approval of myself. Well, what do I beat that with? What do I do instead of that? Well, God tells us in Ephesians chapter 5. He's kind of already told us in this passage we've been looking at. Ephesians 5, 8 through 10. Paul writes and he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And here it is. And find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases the Lord. There it is. Instead of seeking to please other people, we are made to live to please the Lord. And that's, if you step back from that, that's a pretty amazing concept. That we could, that our, our lives, our actions, could be such, our thoughts, could be such that God sees us when he's surveying the whole world, and it's like, oh, man, that brings me pleasure. Man, Fred over there. Man, the way he's living to please me, man, that, that brings me pleasure. You know, it's just kind of like moms that woke up and, 
their kids made him breakfast in bed, and it wasn't too bad, bad of a disaster. It's like, man, that brought me pleasure. You know, that's, we can live in a way thinking about God and seeking to, to, to please him, seeking to, to bring him pleasure that actually does it. That God actually is like, yeah, wow, thank you, I like that. Man, thank you. Man, I, man you're pleasing me. That's pleasing to me. That's really what God has made us for. And that changes everything as we go through things. And that, that can change the mundane things. It's amazing to me that, that Paul, who wrote this, who was one of the biggest world changers in history. I mean, he went from the nation of Israel and traveled across the whole known Roman Empire bringing the gospel. And was shipwrecked, shipwrecked and stoned and had all these sort of, like you could make a movie about his life. It was a lot of the sort of dramatic stuff. But a lot of his instructions to people are just so mundane and everyday. He's like, hey, when you're at your job, like, give it your all because you're working for God. Even when it's a day that doesn't seem that great. You know, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Day in and day out, just give of yourselves. Children, honor your parents. Mothers, you know, give of yourselves to your family. And even stuff that seems mundane, the way you're keeping your house and going about your jobs, like, do that for God, and it really makes a difference. Like, wow, he, we can do things, no matter how glamorous or mundane they are, that really bring pleasure to God. And I just want to pray for us this morning that you know, I believe that wherever we're at, God wants to help us to come into that to a greater degree. You know, maybe you've never had that realization that, man, my life is made to please God. But today, man, I want to make that switch. I don't want to live to please people, but I want to live to please the Lord. Or maybe you have, but this would be a time, maybe you've been in stuff in your life that just seems so inconsequential and difficult. God wants you to see it in a new way and say, man, this is a way where you can approach that job, approach that relationship, approach your family relationships, whatever it is, and say, man, this may not seem that important, but I'm going to do it to honor God and please him and see him bring life into that. So would you just bow your heads with me? And let's, let's pray. God, Thank you that, that we can live to please you. And I thank you that not only, and most importantly, that brings you pleasure, but we find pleasure in that place too. We find significance. We find the life we're looking for. And God, I pray for each person here that's in a, in a place where they're they, their life just it may seem mundane. It seems that, man, these things don't seem important. But I pray that you would help them to see those things and to bring them to you and to, to please you in those things. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to, to take our motivation away from the approval of others, from being seen by people, and take it to, to pleasing you and presenting our lives to you. Lord, we thank you for the ability to do that and for the life you give. We trust you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen.